we were talking about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And I, I was able to finish my, my notes from two weeks ago. I'm going to attempt to finish last week's notes tonight. Because I'm a stickler in, I'm a stickler for completing before you go to the next thing. Let me say this. Let me give you a scripture first and then I'll start talking. We were in John 14, 16. And we were understanding the role of the Holy Spirit as the comforter, as the advocate, the defender, the helper, the one who reveals who we are. And uh, there's just so much there. I want to go. Now I'm going to test my memory here for a second. Because I don't know. I didn't do that. Oh, man, I skipped that, too. I'm at, well, this might not be my last night. <laughs> I thought, and then I looked, and I realized, I got to get all this stuff out. I got to get all this out, so I'm just going to go. The Holy Spirit is You know, when you're developing ministry, I'm going to talk about ministry for a second. And, and when I say ministry, I'm speaking not just about pulpit or preaching ministry. I'm talking about the work of the ministry. We oftentimes leave the Holy Spirit out of everything that's not directly related to standing in a pulpit or singing in a choir or something where we have isolated the moves of the Holy Spirit into a box because you put the Holy Ghost into a box and usually that box is Sunday for a couple hours and an evening service like a Wednesday night service for a couple hours and that's your Holy Ghost box and he's free to do whatever he wants in that box but we don't cooperate with him in all the other aspects of ministry to be honest if I'm really 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 honest with you what makes your church attendance useful or exciting or enjoyable is how much you've worked with the Holy Spirit between church services. Because if the only real exposure to the Holy Ghost you get is in here, you're not getting what he's giving. You're not getting what you need. He's not an, an attraction for the church. He's your guide. He's your, he's your leader. He's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's your teacher. He's your friend. He's with you when you're at home and your kids are acting crazy or when you're at work and your boss is yelling at you. He's there with you. And the same way we try to, for lack of a better term, invoke the Holy Spirit to move here, we should be desiring that same movement there. And until you cross into that type of relationship with God, you're not really doing Christianity. Christianity is a religion. Pastor Dana taught a powerful message on we are not the religion of Christianity, but I'm using the term because we're all familiar with it. You're not really doing, you're not doing the kingdom right. That's a better way to put it. You're not really operating in the kingdom of God properly if the only time you and the Holy Ghost do anything together is in here. And if you ever notice you come in here and it's hard sometimes to get in the right mood 
or the right frame of mind, because sometimes you don't have time to spend two hours before church to get yourself together for church. But it shouldn't take two hours if your pump is always pumping. Sometimes you got to do things, and it's in the day-to-day interaction with the Holy Ghost that we learn who he is and how he functions. I rely on him for everything, and I'm careful not to behave or to talk or to encounter a situation and respond to it as if he's not there. Some things we do, we're just used to handling them a certain way. And even though the God of the universe is right there in you, standing with you in front of that situation, we're used to having a certain response to certain things. And so we just go to our default response. And he'll say, hey, 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 just give me two minutes to talk to you. I'll, I'll fix this for you. Or I'll tell you how to handle this. I'll tell you how to fix this. And we, we get caught up in our natural response to things, and then we get frustrated. You want to live a life without frustration. You have to learn to find his voice in every situation. Don't ever assume he's not talking. He's always talking. He's got a lot more to say than you give him credit for. The problem is we have boxes. We got a Holy Ghost box. You come in here and run and jump, spit and roll and, and dance and, and the music hits you right. You, you, you have a Holy Spirit box you put him in and then when you go to work in the morning, you leave him in the box. And I'm not preaching to anybody in this room. I'm preaching to people out there. That's a lie. I am preaching to some of y'all in here. I am preaching to some of y'all in here. We're all going to different levels. Look, I was uh, having a uh, conversation with the Lord, and we were talking about the benefits of exercise. And he was revealing to me, he said, you know, everything you do is better the stronger you are. Your sleep is better when you're strong. He said, your, your sitting on the couch is better when you're strong. And then there are the things that are directly strength related, like picking up something heavy or running or having to defend yourself, whatever, whatever I don't know where you live, whatever you have to do <laughs> to be strong for. And a lot of times <laughs> we put the emphasis on strength when we're doing something that seems directly strength related. But if you've ever been weak and then you got strong, you notice your strength involves itself in every thing you do, whether it's just flipping an egg in a frying pan. You, when you feel your forearm tighten up, you, you notice muscles that you don't know, that you used not to notice. That stuff. And what happens is, that's why you exercise, because you got to live in this thing. You got to live in it, and you got to move in it, and you got to do stuff in it. And you're going to do stuff in it whether you want to or not. So you want to make it as strong as possible. I like to lift weights. I have found pleasure in weightlifting. And it's a slow, arduous process sometimes because the idea is progressive overload. You, you add a little more weight every couple of weeks or so, so that's always a little hard to do, but doable. That way you're building strength. You're forcing your muscles to get stronger. And uh, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. There are times when you're directly focusing on increasing your fellowship with him or going to a deeper level, as we say, going to a deeper level. But once you get to that level, 
the effects of being on that level are supposed to be felt in everything you do. And as I get older, I start to notice myself responding to things that I didn't understand why my parents responded to them the way they did when I was a child. But now that I'm getting to that age and to that level of deepness, I find myself responding the same way they used to respond to things. Things that you kind of let slide that don't bother you as much. But when you get to a certain level of deepness in fellowship with the Holy Ghost, you realize it bothers him. And then it starts to bother you. And that's something that, that's a principle all in and of itself that gets neglected. Because when you keep him in a box, you edit him out of all the things you feel like you can handle. And that's where the devil beats you up. The devil beats you up there because he, the Holy Ghost is there, but you don't give him access to this part of you. Because the beautiful thing about your relationship with the Holy Ghost, I was going to drink something, I didn't drink nothing. The beautiful thing about having a fellowship with the Holy Ghost is this, is that it's cooperative. He doesn't force himself on you. You cooperate with him. So everybody's personal journey with the Lord is determined by how dedicated they are. Not how dedicated God is to your growth. You can grow as far as you want with God. Your muscles can get as big as your genetics will allow. Most people don't lift enough weight. It ain't the weight's fault. It ain't your muscles' fault. You go to the gym and pick up a weight, your arm is going to do everything it can to pick that up. But if it's a little hard and uncomfortable, you put it down and go home. And you don't come back for three months. Who's to blame? That weight is neutral. That weight don't care about you. It don't hate you. It don't love you. It's just a chunk of metal. And your arm will do whatever you want it to do. It's you. So if somebody, when I go to the gym, it's a guy stronger than me, lifting weight heavier than me. We're doing the same exercise. He's 30 pounds. He's lifting 30 pounds heavier than me. And I look at him and I'm like, this guy. Can't you go over there? You know, because you want to feel like you're the strongest dude in the gym, even though you know you ain't. I'm like, can't you just go over there? Go somewhere else I can't see. He got mirrors all over the wall, so even if he ain't around, you can still see him. Ain't no point in being salty at them people. I had to get over that. You be, you be in the gym trying to feel like you've already accomplished something. You have not. Because it's a guy with tighter abs, bigger arms, bigger chest that can lift more weight and run faster than you can. What I've learned to do is say, well, he started, he's been doing this longer than me. Or he, he goes more often than I do. He looks like his decisions. I look like mine. Bottom line, I look like my decisions. And he looks like his. So I can change my decisions, and I can stick to them. I can't blame him. What are, your spiritual life is the product of your decisions. It's, it's the product of your dedication to spiritual growth. And what happens when we talk about ministry is we don't allow the Holy Ghost to take us where he wants us to be once we get to where we got into the relationship with him for. Most of us, when we got saved, we came in with problems and situations, and we looked for answers. And I blame the church to a degree, because more times than not, the person that won you to the Lord came to you with, Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. 
And that's true. That is true. Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. But a better way to put that, which I think would actually help filter the wheat from the chaff, is your cooperation with Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. Because what we do is we get adjacent to Jesus and then we wait for him to do all the work. You go to the gym and sit in the parking lot and you go every day and sit in the parking lot for six months straight. You will not get any stronger. You will not get any healthier. You be saying, I went to the gym every day this week. I went to the gym, man. Well, how much did you lift? Well, I didn't lift nothing. I just went. Well, did you get in the treadmill? Nah, I don't really like running. But I went. And man, there was a guy next to me. He was, he was swole, man. He looked good. He gave, me some, he gave me some advice on how to do the exercise better or, or how to train. He gave me some good advice. But, yeah, that's good. Did you do it? No, nah, but it was good advice. That's how you look coming to church. You get around the Holy Spirit. You get in his space, but you don't, you don't cooperate with him. You don't let, you don't pursue who he is and who he's made you to be. You Take the stuff you can handle and you just keep handling it. And then when you can't handle something, you go to him to see if he can handle it for you. And if you understand that his primary mission is to develop you into Jesus, that's the reason he's here. Can I say this? This might sound controversial, but I'm going to explain it. He's not here to solve your problems. Now, I know that the person who won you to the Lord won you on the promise of all your problems getting solved. But that's not why he's here. He's not here to solve your problems. He's here to transform you into Jesus. That's what he's here for. He's here to change you into who Jesus was when Jesus ascended. Because that's who you were made in the new covenant. And you have to discover who you were made. And the Holy Ghost job is to put you on the path of that discovery. Your money problems, your health problems, your, your family problems, your mental problems, your childhood trauma, all that stuff. He didn't come to fix that. You say, well, yeah, but don't he promise to do that? Yes. But that's not why he came. Because look, the promise of prosperity, of health, of, of, of strong family, of love, and all of those things, those are your inheritance as the sons and daughters of God. As you walk into who you are as a son or daughter of God, you get more access to your inheritance. That stuff's already been fixed. What you want to do is stay you and have him bring the cure to you for the problems that are priority in your mind. And he says, look, if I make you the CEO of a billion-dollar company, that's a lot of responsibility. Now, you broke. You don't have a job. You don't have a job. You don't have any money. You don't know how you're going to pay your rent next month. And I offer you a job as the CEO of a billion-dollar company. The first thought going through your mind is not going to be, let's make this company grow. The first thought in your mind is, I got my rent. <laughs> the first thought in your mind, I'm about to, I'm finna get all the Bugattis. 
going to be the next Elon Musk. That's where you are. Because when you come in, you don't really care about the job. You care about the paycheck. Because the paycheck is your, that's the thing you came into this to solve. But then I hire you, and then I say, all right, man, we got to get, you know, third quarter 2023 is not looking good. I want to have a 20% increase in profit by the, end of, by the end of the fourth quarter 2023. How can we do that? I just, I don't, as long as my check clear, I don't really care. <laughs> That's most of us. You didn't come in and make this company grow. You came in. You came in to get a paycheck. But then you say, well, I don't know how to run a company like this. That's why I'm broke. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, fine. I know you don't know what you're doing. I've made you the CEO. I've given you all the power of the CEO and the access to all the wealth of the CEO. But you don't know how to CEO. That's fine. This guy is the CEO trainer. He's trained every CEO of every major corporation that's successful for the last 30 years. I have sent him, he's going to wake you up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day and talk to you for two hours about how to run this company. And then after that, he's going to give you three hours of homework to do. And then after that, you got to go to work and do the work. By the end of the day, you will have a successful day at work. You're, you're the CEO. Who you are has not changed. Now you know how, now you have someone to teach you how to do it. And when he comes and wakes you up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you roll over and go back to sleep. You roll over and go back to sleep. You're still the CEO. Your identity didn't change. You didn't lose your job, but you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to do it. So what happens? The company starts to decline. The company starts to go down. The profits get lower. People start losing their jobs. And then you start worrying how you're going to keep yours. That wouldn't be a problem if you listen to the guy that I sent you to teach you to be what I made you. And that is the role of the Holy Spirit, to teach you to be what you were made in Christ. The problems you brought to Jesus were already solved on the cross. You won't even there for that. He pre-solved all your problems. You're looking to see how to get your problem solved. And very few of us are looking to see how to be like Christ and work with him. Because you think working in the ministry is just this. This is an aspect of Jesus' ministry to you so you can go do the work of the ministry. He said, I'm going to put some people. He said, I'm going to select some, some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, some teachers to guide my people to be more like me. That's what this job is. Everybody wants to do this job and call it ministry. Ministry is what you do when you go on your job. And the Holy Spirit of God, look, Jesus went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. Won't no sick people there. Won't no dead people there. I guess not. It was a wedding. Won't no blind eyes to open. They just ran out of wine. And Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, turned the water into wine. We write whole songs about that miracle. That was just a regular day for Jesus. He didn't go there to do that. He was just at a wedding with his mama. And his mama said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, you do it. 
And they poured the water, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, he turned the water into wine. You don't even know why he did that. You just, we, we got whole allegories about it, and it's beautiful. It's a lot, everything in the word is practical. All scripture is given, right? But that was just a regular day for Jesus. That was not, he wasn't preaching the gospel when he did that. But it was ministry. How do you know it's ministry? Because it's in the Bible. It's edifying to us. It established him into those people. But he won't preach it when he did it. But he always walked in the power of the Holy Ghost. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I never go 15 minutes without praying in the Holy Ghost. They said, well, how long do you pray? He said, about 10 minutes. He said, but I don't go longer than 15 minutes without doing it. He said, I don't pray for long. But if you pray, but you pray, he prayed often. He would just do it under his breath. Five minutes, ten minutes, all day, every day, for years. He said, I don't read anything but the Bible. He didn't read a newspaper. He didn't read any other books. He wrote books he never read. Somebody asked him, they said, well, do you read your own books? He said, no, I know what I said. <laughs> he was a plumber. Smith Wigglesworth was not an educated man. He didn't learn to read until he was, until he was in his 20s. He was not educated. He didn't finish school. He was illiterate till he, was, till he got married, and his wife taught him to read. And when he read the Bible and learned about the Holy Ghost, he spent the rest of his life cultivating his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he is the, the great ancestor of so many powerful ministers, men and women of God today, including us. And he was a plumber who couldn't read. And he would go out and do his job as a plumber and then come back and spend the rest of the night praying and reading his Bible. He raised children. He had a family, a loving wife, a loving family. He went on vacation with him, did all the family man stuff. But the Holy Ghost was always with him. And then he built an international ministry that raised up thousands of believers pre- and post-World War II. Back when it was unheard of, back when it was harder to do, he had no internet. He was flying all over the world, raising the dead, healing the sick, opening blind eyes, doing what Jesus did. And you look at any ministry where the Holy Ghost and the person in charge of that ministry are in right fellowship, you see the same thing. Because it ain't but one Jesus. He already set the example. Smith Wigglesworth was simple enough to edit out all the garbage that could distract him from his fellowship with the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit would release him. You can go do that with your kids or with your family. Now look, everybody got their own set of priorities. But when me and my wife got married, I didn't know what I know now. I learned a lot. But I knew enough to know that I won't marry somebody who was going to get between me and God. If I tell my wife, baby, don't talk to me for the next 24 hours. It's just me and God. I'm not saying I'm going to try that. I think if I say it from here, she kind of got to live up to it. Because she don't want to make me look bad. I can't go a day without talking to my wife. I don't know about y'all. I love my wife. I cannot go that long without talking to her. But if the Lord should pull me away for a season, she would not get in the way. 
I remember my dad would go rent a hotel room for a day. When we were younger, I remember my dad would go and get a hotel room for a whole day and just spend the whole day praying and studying. When he was building this church, when he was building this ministry, he would go off for 24 hours, you wouldn't see him. Just so he could be free from distraction. Because when you got a wife and kids, we're distracting. We want to get daddy play with us, daddy do this, daddy do this, daddy, daddy, daddy. And he had to hear the voice of God. And he couldn't do it in the house. So he would rent a little hotel room and spend a whole day by himself. That was part of his mission because he needed that quality time with the Holy Ghost. You unplug the TV and you just spend that quality time with the Lord. And then he, he didn't do that every day, you know, because that's called abandoning your kids. <laughs> but every so often he would have to go do that. <laughs> every so often he would have to go do that. And if they were in a spiritual battle where he needed direction, he'd go away. And my mother never cried or complained about that. She encouraged it. Go on, I got it. She didn't, they worked together on that. They were a team with him as the overseer, as the head, as the husband. And she didn't get in his way. She made it possible for him to be able to do that. Because she won't call him every five minutes. DJ done did this. Casey done did that. She didn't call him every five minutes with the problems. You know they're coming to get this or the bills is delayed. When he was with the Holy Ghost, none of that mattered. She made the house an environment where if the Holy Ghost needed my father for an hour, he could have him. And I don't think we recognize that's what cooperating with the Holy Ghost looks like. It's not just coming in here and trying to conjure up a, a tear in the middle of praise and worship. That's not where it is. Structure your home so that the Holy Ghost can do what he wants in your house. You can't fight all the time about everything and then try to give the Holy Ghost time. You can't be late for everything and try to give the Holy Ghost time. You can't be disorganized and try to give the Holy Ghost time. It's like I said before, what we want the Holy Ghost to do is we want to get adjacent to him. We want to get next to him and have him solve all the problems. But if you decide, I decided, you know, it's funny, I actually found three or four years ago, we was doing this project where you were writing down your vision. And I made a list of all the things that I wanted. And one of those things was I wanted to lose 30 pounds. I was 50 pounds heavier at the time. And one of the things I wrote was I want to lose 30 pounds. And I wrote it, I put it in my wallet, I stuck it in my jacket, and I didn't look at it very often. And then a little bit later, my wife and I decided we were going to get serious about this fitness thing, and I was going to go to the gym and work out. And wouldn't you know, when I lost 30 pounds, I found that sheet of paper. It was two years later, and it was like, you know, when it sits in your wallet, it gets worn out and greasy and stuff. And I opened up, I said, man, I ain't looked at that thing, and there you go. Lose 30 pounds. Anyway, I had to decide, this is what I want. None of my friends was mad at me. None of my friends told me, DJ, you need to lose weight. Nobody said nothing to me. I made a decision and then I had to show up for that decision. I had to show up for it until things changed. The Holy Ghost, you're wanting him to show up. All our music is about Holy Ghost show up and do this. Holy Ghost show up and do that. Holy Ghost come in here and do this. Holy Ghost come in here and make this happen. When are you gonna go in there? Show up for him, the gym is open. 24 hours a day. 
It don't do you no good if you don't go. The Holy Ghost is available 24 hours a day. But you don't show up for him. You want him to show up for you. And then when he doesn't, you say, well, it ain't my time. It ain't my season. You got a preacher that'll lie to you about seasons. I don't need no season. I don't need a season. Your body don't know what season you're in. All it know is he's picking his weight up again. Yes, I'm going to have to get stronger. Your season is irrelevant. What matters is, are you going to get up tomorrow and pursue the Holy Ghost the way you pursue everything that's of value to you? And if you fall short, you do it the next day. I promise you this, by the end of the week, you'll be stronger than if you didn't do anything or if you wait for it to feel right. And then when you start pursuing, you get revelation and breakthrough. And the Holy Ghost can then, he'll trigger something and you can go, how do I explain this, Lord? Because I know what I'm saying. Okay. You ever had somebody's cooking that was so good it ruined that dish for you? Like you ever had somebody make something I ain't getting on nobody's mamas. Because my mama can cook. But I don't know about y'all mamas. But, you know, you grow up, your mama cooked something a certain way, and you just didn't like it because the way she cooked it. And then you go have somebody else's cooking, and it's so much better than what you was used to, what you thought it was going to be, that you can never go back and have your mama's version of it again, or whoever you used to, or the way you cook it. I ain't the only one that's had that experience, where you tasted somebody's food that you had an opinion about until they cooked it. And then when they cooked it, it was so much better that taste gets in your mouth and you can't get it out. And now every time you want it, you want that. And you're, you'll go to the restaurant and get the substandard version. You'll go, you know, have your friend make some or you'll go try to cook it yourself, but it's never right. It's just a taste that you can't get out your mouth once you've had it right. When every new level with the Holy Ghost you get to, that's what's supposed to happen. You get a taste of something that you can't untaste. You can't forget that sensation. But watch this, that sensation don't come first. It usually comes after an extended period of pursuit. For a season, I was praying two hours every morning right out of bed. Every morning, two hours straight. I would set the clock. I'd get up early and just pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour, study and pray for an hour. Every day, for weeks I did that, for about six weeks. And by the end of that six weeks, I was so saturated. I got a breakthrough that I'm still running on. That was two years ago. And when I say I'm still running on it, it changed, my, it changed the level I have to get to to be satisfied. Prior to that, I was all right. But once I got, after that six weeks, my prayer time has never been satisfactory until I get to that, that point. And what I'm learning is that a lot of us have never experienced that. A lot of us have never really gotten to a place where you're no longer satisfied with your little 15 minutes in the morning. A lot of us have never gotten to the place where that little 15 minutes just ain't enough. Sometimes all you got is 15 minutes. It shouldn't be that way all the time. Your life is out of order if that's all you got for the Lord. Because I promise you, you're going to get your job eight hours. 
Well, I need my job. You need the Holy Ghost. You need your job because your Holy Ghost and you ain't where y'all need to be. He could have pulled you off that job. Ain't nothing wrong with working a full-time job. I'm just saying, you'd set the hierarchy of needs. You set the hierarchy of priorities. You decide what's most important to you. Because if I got to work eight hours on a job, it's 24 hours in a day. Most of us don't sleep but six of them. And the rest of them, you can't tell me what you did. I ain't trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm trying to reveal to you, you know, when I watch men and women of God that are long in the faith, and I, some of them I've watched since I was a child, and now they're older, and I watch them, and I listen to them talk, and they talk about their relationship with God a whole lot more than they do just principles. Because when you've been in fellowship with God for 50 years, it's like an old married person talking about their marriage. There's so much richness in it. When you've been happily married for 50 years, there's a richness that you can't describe. It just comes out of you when you talk about your spouse. I listen to these men and women of God, and I hear the same type of enthusiasm that I hear musicians talk about music or chefs talk about food or bodybuilders talk about working out. When you've dedicated your life to something and then you talk about it after having been dedicated to it for so long, there's a richness to it that you can't separate. I was uh, talking to Ben uh, the other day. You know, Ben's been out here every night since Sunday. We didn't go home until like 10 last night. I ain't going to tell them why, Ben. <laughs> I'm going to let you ride. Only the important people need to know why. <laughs> but now that Adam brought it up, I'm going to leave you alone. Because we fixed it. We fixed it. It's all good. But uh, we were having a conversation. I was telling him about this guy that I used to know that anytime you talk to him, all he talked about was wood. In case you know what I'm talking about. Anytime you talk to him, all he talked about was wood. I'd never had a conversation with him, known him for years, never had a conversation with him that didn't begin and end on woodworking. But he could build you a house by himself. He built the deck on our old house all by himself. The whole deck. As far as I know, that deck's still standing. The man knew his stuff. That was all he knew. I remember being a kid taking a piece of bark off a tree at a church picnic. And I went over to him and I said, hey, what kind of tree is this? He told me everything about that tree, like he grew it himself. <laughs> and spent 20 minutes. I was eight years old. I wasn't interested. I was, I don't know what I was doing. Maybe it was a dare or something. Because we all knew that he going to go on and on. He spent 20 minutes talking about that piece of bark. But that was just in him. But you know what? If you handed him a piece of wood and some tools, you was going to get a masterpiece. Because that's the level of obsession that comes from, that mastery comes from. You got to have a certain level of obsession to obtain mastery of a thing. To really obtain mastery of a thing, there's a certain degree of you got to be a little off from the norm to obtain mastery. The Holy Ghost comes, I told you in one of my bullet points from a couple weeks ago, you got to be prepared to seem a little crazy. Because our goal is to attain mastery. Because 
Christ offended more people than he won. And he still is. Christ didn't do a lot of debating theologically. He didn't do a lot of theological debating because appealing to people's intellect don't save them. I don't have a problem with apologetics, but if your relationship with God is intellectual, it's not real. Because I can know everything about my wife, and if I don't spend no time with her, I don't know her. Right? So you can't have just an intellectual understanding of the Bible and call that a relationship with God. Because the devil knows more about the Bible than you. But a, a, an obsession in the pursuit of mastery breeds a change in your personality. That is unmistakable. And, and when you become like that, you're going to rub people the wrong way. And one thing that I think, how much time I got left? I got a few minutes left. One thing I think we mistake is because the world is so anti-Christ, which it always was. It was never a point in history where they were all in love with Jesus at the same time. You know, we just lied to ourselves because most of the people that was religious were still sinners. But we're now crossing into this culture that there's a danger where we're trying to be as offensive as the world and we're calling it ministry. And we're building ministries out of just being offensive and controversial. You're not preaching the gospel necessarily. You're just trying to go against the grain because that's what sells. And you're losing people you could win because you're just trying to be controversial because that gets you more attention. And I'm, I know the world does it because that's what they do. But now I'm seeing the church do it. And I'm careful because... You don't win folks for good preaching. You don't win folks for good preaching. You win them with your mastery that's the birth of, that's birth from your obsession. That's how you win people. When I walked up to that man and handed him that piece of bark, I knew what he was going to do. And what's funny is when my daddy needed a new deck, he went to the same man. Didn't have to look far. Because anytime you needed woodworking done, you knew who the woodworking guy was. I've gotten, what, three phone calls today from different people calling me about music, asking me to, to work with them. My business is blowing up since the beginning of this year, thank God. Because they know me. And among my peers, my peers in the music realm come to me for advice. Because they know, he, he know his stuff. Because I'm obsessed enough with the subject to obtain mastery. I was supposed to read three scriptures and never read them. I got all that off of this one bullet point. So I guess I'm going to finish this up next time I come back because I still didn't read any of the notes. I'm going to read this one, though. Jesus is the ultimate expression of what a man who the Holy Spirit has completed his work in looks like. He is the example of what fully receiving the Holy Spirit will enable you to do. I'm going to take my last five minutes and I'm going to just jump off of this and that's where we're going to go.
Jesus is an example of what fully receiving the Holy Spirit is supposed to look like. Most of our examples are too flawed. And we follow in their flaws, just like we follow in their footsteps. I'm not saying that you can't follow the example of a, of a spiritual leader. You're supposed to. We're supposed to be leaders, supposed to have leadership in the church that you follow. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's his, Paul was saying, my pursuit of Christ is what you're following me in. You follow me in my obsession with the ultimate goal. Jesus was the fully realized expression of what a man, a flesh man just like you and me, who surrendered himself entirely to the Holy Ghost was able to do. Many of us don't do the entire surrendering. We do a little piece here. We surrender the parts we're done with. We surrender the parts we run out of ideas for. And we wait to see how long we can expose it before it changes. And then once it gets good enough, we take it back and we play with it till it breaks. Then we give it back. And that becomes Christianity to us. That becomes our relationship with God. Most of us are not surrendered fully enough to fully realize. But here's the thing. It has to be possible because he commanded us to do it. He did not. He allows you to be at different points on the journey, but you have to be on the same journey. You might not be far down the road as somebody else, but you better be on the same road. And the road is not that wide. What happens is we're on different roads and calling it Christ because we just like the road we own. Or this road is wider, we can fit more people on it. But if you go to a gym and you say, I want to grow my arms bigger, it ain't but like four exercises you can do for that. And everybody with big arms doing the same four exercises. They ain't changed. Schwarzenegger did them 40 years ago. They still work. And all this new age science stuff is coming out, still doing the same for exercises. Because if it works, it works. You don't need a bunch. You don't need a new way to do something people have been doing for forever. You need to decide to be as committed as that guy. What we look for is different ways because our commitment level is not going to change. So we're looking for a more efficient, a faster, a more exciting way to do something because we're not going to be excited about it. But if you was just like him, you could do it. You don't need a new way. The old way works. The old way works. You just don't want to do it. But I challenge you tonight. With all that being said, I challenge you tonight. That if you, if you say, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to pursue being like Christ. And you are the only one who can get me there. You're it. How do I start? I promise you, he'll show you. It's the easiest answer to get. Because he's not trying to hide it. He's not trying to cover it up. He's not trying to make it a mystery. He wants you to just come to him. And you, I have had times where I've said, Lord, I'm just going to sit here in your presence for an hour until I hear something. And I just pray in the Holy Ghost. And after a while, I hear him say, shh, be quiet. He said, okay, you prayed enough. Now let me talk. And I might sit there for another 30 minutes. Just wait for him to say something. And it can be something simple. Or it can be the secrets of the universe. Just depends on the day. Let's just practice. And then I'll go get a scripture out and just read it. If you don't know what to read, start at Genesis. You'll find something. Don't, don't make it complicated. 
You don't know what to pray? Go to Psalms. Start at Psalms 1 and pray the whole book. I did it. It works. The whole book is just prayer and praise. If you don't know what to pray, and you got to pray in English for some reason, first of all, if you don't know what to pray, you pray in the Holy Ghost. But in those times where you feel led to pray something in English, just start in the book of Psalms and just pray the book. It's the, it's the largest book in the Bible for a reason. Not complicated, folks. And if that ain't right, if that don't work, the Holy Ghost will fix it. But you got to start. You got to give them something. You got to show up and put a weight in your hand. If the weight's too light, you'll know. Go get something heavier. If it's too heavy, go get something lighter. But you got to go. You have to. We have to. Amen. Amen. Amen.